We're going to look at a miracle. A miracle that Jesus performed that was like no other. It was the impossible. And what was that? It was feeding the 5,000. And as we look at this passage, it wasn't just 5,000 people. It was 5,000 men and then their families on top of that. So it could literally have been double to almost triple that amount of the people that they had to feed. Now, I don't know if you've ever been at a function that you hosted where you realized that you were about to run out of food. That is a bad feeling as a host, is it not? What's even worse is if you're in the line waiting for the food and you count the portions and you realize you're going to be out. Uh, that is not a good sign, but uh, life is much more than food. Life has got a lot of things that we need, and there are a lot of people that are in need today. As a matter of fact, the, the title of this message is being overwhelmed by need. What kind of need is that? Well, there's the need of, for others that we need to help. There's also our personal needs. Many of you in here this morning are just praying that God will give you just a moment's rest to, to help lift that burden that you carried when you brought in here. That, that Let's be honest. We as believers are very needy people. People that are not believers are very needy people. But if there were ever a time where there was overwhelming needs, it is today. Anyone can walk or drive down the streets here in Anderson and Homeland Park and see that there are areas of need, whether it be the homeless person asking for money on the side of the road or, or the family that needs food on their table or the person suffering stress because of a situation with a relationship or a job or in today's economy, lack thereof of a job, that is. The patient praying for a good report from the doctor or the person that denies their need for a Savior. See, Jesus reminds us in his miracle of the 5,000 men and their families that there will always be people in need. Always, always, always be people in need. The only time there will not be people in need is when Jesus Christ returns to take his church with him. And at the final judgment, when everything has been said and everything that has been done, there will be people that will have eternity with Jesus Christ in the new Jerusalem. Amen? And then there will be those that are separated from God because they choose to follow the devil and those people that denied God. But in that moment, there will be a finality. There will be an end and there will be no more need. Because everything will have been as God said it would be. Well, my question to you today is, are you overwhelmed by need today? Is our church overwhelmed by the need in our community? What do you do and what do I do when we are overwhelmed by need? How and where do we start? Well, Jesus shows us in this passage. Let's take a moment and read this, starting with verse 30. He says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. 
in just that moment, I can imagine they were all getting together and the 12 disciples were giving Jesus a laundry list of everything they had done. Kind of like when your boss man or a family member leaves you in charge of something, when they get back, you go through the whole laundry list of everything that you've done. They were tired and they were weary and Jesus knew that. And he told them that they needed to go away and rest for a while. But we pick up back up where it says, For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. <laughs> the, the crowds were following Jesus. They were wanting to see the miracle. They were wanting to see what all this hype was about. And the disciples were exhausted. Jesus was exhausted. They were trying to get away from the crowd just for a few moments so they could rest and recuperate. But yet, I love how we look back in verse 33. There's the three-letter word, but. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. People ran there by land from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. So he stepped ashore. He saw a huge crowd and he told them to get out of here. I don't have time for you. Right? He told them, have you seen my checklist? Have you seen my calendar? Do you know what I've got to do right now? No, he did not say that. It says right here that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it was already late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is a wilderness, and it is already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. In other words, the disciples were saying to Jesus, Jesus, tell them they don't have to go home, but they can't stay here. Surely they can go and they can find their own food. And, and the disciples were just thinking, look, it's time to close shop. It's the end of the day. Send them home and let's have the rest that we were supposed to have when we first got off the boat. Well, you see, it says that and all, it was already late. Verse 36, send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And then Jesus spoke. <laughs> he said, you give them something to eat. And I think the Greek for the, what the disciples said was, say what? Did I hear you correctly, Jesus? You want us to give them something to eat. There's over 5,000 men and their families, and, and we have nothing. I mean, they were literally saying, Jesus, you've got to be kidding. And as we read on, then he instructed them to have, well, excuse me, if we go back in verse uh, 37, you give them something to eat. He responded, they said to them, should we go buy 200 denarii? worth of bread and give them something to eat. I want you to understand, in that moment, they were being sarcastic. Oh, yeah, sure. You want us to spend a year's worth of salary that's going to buy one meal for these people that need to go home and get their own food? Well, he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. When they found out, they said, five. Five loaves and two fish. He then instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to all his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up the twelve baskets full of a piece of bread and fish. Now those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. 
well. Jesus provided. This is an amazing miracle. I remember, I've probably shared with you before, we were on a mission trip one time, and we were feeding the, the homeless in downtown Richmond, and the church that was hosting us, they had the food, and all we had to do was serve it. But for some reason, that night, every one of the, the homeless people that came in, they all wanted milk. And we only had two gallons of milk. And there were hundreds of people there. And we kept saying, we need milk, we need milk. And every time we'd go back there, there would be still some left in the container. Everybody, all the homeless people went away with milk that day. Off of two quarts. We called it the miracle of the milk. We don't know where it came from. We don't know how it was multiplied. All we know is it was there and God provided. That was a real life story of what I feel like was a parallel to this passage. And what does it mean for you and for me today as we look at the feeding of the 5,000? This is what it means. It means that although we are overwhelmed by need today, God can do the impossible. Amen? God can do the impossible. But listen, the, if you have overwhelming need in your life today, if you feel like our church has an overwhelming need, if you feel like our nation, our world has an overwhelming need, I want you to understand that every need that we have, though people recognize it or not, and I know I'm a preacher and you're going to expect me to say this, but every need we have is found in the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ. If we lift up Jesus Christ in our lives, if we lift up Jesus Christ in our church, and if for some way, some reason, somehow we can lift up Jesus Christ in our country, in our community, and in our homes, need will evaporate. Because Jesus meets needs. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is one of only two miracles that occur in all four Gospels. If you go to all four Gospels, you will see an account of the feeding of the 5,000. There will be little, little differences to kind of enhance the picture of the miracle. But you know what? The only other miracle to be shown in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what do you think it was? The resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that tells me, if all four apostles recorded the feeding of the 5,000, and all four apostles recorded the resurrection, this is probably pretty important, don't you think? I will go ahead and tell you that the answer or the solution to meeting the overwhelming needs around us is found in Jesus Christ. And for many, as I say this, this is not an aha moment. Some of you are saying, duh. We hear that every week. We know that Jesus Christ is the answer for everything. As a matter of fact, as you hear it this morning, you will simply hear it and maybe even check out. You might do one or two things. You will think, yeah, I know. You ever try to reason with somebody, especially a teenager, a child, or someone that every time you try to correct them and help them, they say, I know. I know. I know. And you want to say, well, if you know, why did you not do it? When we hear that Jesus Christ is the answer to overwhelming needs, the church of today resoundingly says, we know! And that's it. I know. I know. I know, preacher. Move on. So you'll either think right now this morning, I know that Jesus Christ 
will meet overwhelming needs. Or number two, you have heard it before and yet it has made no bearing or change in your lifestyle. To say I know, to have intellectual assent to know that Jesus Christ will meet needs is not enough. All that means is you are smart enough to see a good thing when it's in front of you. But if you truly believe it, if you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the answer to overwhelming needs, it's going to affect the way you and I live. To understand this miracle and the points that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, we must place this passage within the context of which it's written. And as I tell my Bible study class, and as I'll tell you, anytime you want to put the scripture into context, if you don't have a seminary degree and you don't have Google and you don't have uh, all these other fancy commentaries, all you really need to do is look at a few verses before the passage and a few verses after the passage, and you will get the context from which it is. It's kind of like, you ever walked up to somebody and they're telling a joke, and they say the joke, and everybody laughs and you didn't get it because you missed half of the joke? Most of you are like that because my jokes are never funny. But the thing is, is that if you don't have the whole picture, if you don't have the whole story, it's not going to make sense. So as we look at this, we see that, number one, that Jesus has just commissioned his disciples to begin their ministry. It is the age-old model of leadership. Jesus invested into 12, and those 12 invested into the world. I would say every one of us in here, most management gurus say that span of control, in other words, the number of people that we can effectively lead and monitor is five to seven people, and that's being very generous. If you were to have, pray, say, God, give me Five people to disciple and to share your love with. Can you imagine what it would do to this world? Jesus was commissioning them, saying, You can go and heal in my name. Teach in my name. He was telling them, Go and do what I've called you to do. That's kind of like those exciting times when I was playing football, and you can warm up, and you can practice, and you can do all those things. But, buddy, when you run out on that field, and you break through that banner that the cheerleaders are holding up, and the band's playing, and you're getting ready to play the game, and then the, the whistle blows, and you're on the field, man, there's nothing like being in the game. So many people have been so used to sitting on the bench and watching other people play the game. We need to get off the bench. We need to get involved. And we see that Jesus was commissioning the disciples. It says in verses 12 through 13 of chapter 6 earlier, it says, So they went out and preached that the gospel and people should repent, and they were driving out many demons, anointing many sick, and they were anointing many sick people with olive oil and healing them. Buddy, they were doing the work, all in the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing we see here is back then when they were going out, when, when this is written, folks, I want you to understand it wasn't popular to be a Christian. They had just heard that the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the man who paved the way, who, who charted the path, who navigated before Jesus even came, John the Baptist had just been executed by Herod because his niece had a problem with him, beheaded him. Evil Christians were being killed and being persecuted. Folks, the execution of John the Baptist at the hands of Herod caused Jesus and the disciples to use extreme caution. To put it in a modern day term, it just got real for the disciples. 
their commitment. It was not having their name on, on a sheet saying, hey, we're the disciples. It wasn't even having the privilege of being in the presence of Jesus. It was, we are part of something that is going to make a difference. And we might not always get out of it unscathed. Let me ask you something. Will the commitment of your faith be the same when persecution and the killing of Christians hits our soil? Will you still be as committed to Christ then as you are now? When it is a crime to meet at a church, will you bow? We'd all say, oh, preacher, come on. Go to church. We're not going to bow to anybody. It's easy to say while the air conditioner is running, the carpet's clean, and, and everything's good, right? Folks, it's not always going to be easy for us. Those of you that have some age on you, you have seen. It would break my heart to see how the world has just been going down and down and down and down. And as I look at our little children here and our, and our, our teenagers and our young, adult, our young couples and young adults, I think, what's next? Folks, it's going to get real. And our commitment is going to cost us something because there is always overwhelming need. So how does Jesus meet overwhelming need? How do you meet overwhelming need in your life? Well, let's go back and let's look. First of all, we meet need with compassion. We meet need with compassion. In verses 30 through 32, we see that Jesus knew the fact that he and his disciples needed time to rest. Folks, I want you to understand that, that I am so glad that you're here at church. And for those of you that come on Wednesday night, I'm glad you come on Wednesday night in the Sunday night crowd. You know, I love you. I love everybody. But that Sunday night crowd, you know, we're tired, aren't we? But you know what? There is no substitution. If all we do is go to church when the doors are open and we don't stop, spend any personal time with the Lord, we are going to be empty, we are going to be burnt out, and all we're going to be is a bunch of church attenders and not worshipers. It's kind of like the old illustration they said. Of, you know, back in the old days, y'all remember when they used to pump your gas? Remember that? You pull up and say, hey, fill up and check the oil. And it, you, know, you knew the guy, man. It was like an episode of Andy Griffin. I mean, he'd, he'd pump your gas. He'd talk to you about the family and, and all that kind of good stuff. And you just kind of sit there and just enjoy the conversation. They don't do that anymore. Now it's self-serve. But how much sense would it make if you pull up to a gas station and, and I'm sitting there with my wife and I say, okay, honey, I'm going to get out and pump the gas. Now you get in the car and drive it around the pump. And I'll try, we'll make a game out of it. I'll try to put it in the, the tank while you drive around. Wouldn't work, would it? The police would probably be there pretty fast. But here's the thing. Why do we spin round and round and round the pump? And not stop and get filled. Listen, I hope and I pray that the Lord uses something in this message from His Word to fulfill you. I pray that as you listen to things on TV, other worship services, and other things, you, other places you go to, I do pray that the truth get in your life. But there is no substitute for sitting down, being still, and meditating on God's Word. If you want to meet the needs of others, you've got to be strong yourself. And we see here that Jesus was preparing the disciples for their future ministry. Every servant of God, even Jesus, needs times of rest and renewal. And understand this, Christian. 
If Satan cannot get you with, with temptation, I know some of you are saying, oh, that old temptation boat sailed for me a long time ago. There's always temptation, folks. And listen, if he can't get you with the biggies of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, he'll just make you busy. He'll just make you busy. Some of the most unsatisfied, unspiritual, miserable people are the people that come to church every time the doors are open but spend no time themselves in God's Word for themselves. Take time, rest, recuperate, renew, and spend time with the Savior. Because if we're not, we get a type of spiritual tachycardia. You know what tachycardia is, don't you? Your heart beats so fast where it can't pump adequately, and you end up going to the hospital. Folks, we become too busy as Christians. We can become too busy for Christ that we're not doing anything with Christ. If you want an illustration of that, read about Mary and Martha and Jesus' interaction with them. Mary did what was beneficial. She sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha was complaining that she was having to do all the housework while Mary was just being with Jesus. It's a great parable or a great story. You can go see that. But also, verse 34, it says that God allows need in order to draw out our compassion. Think about this. When we have overwhelming need, when we have need in our areas, it's an opportunity for us to, to, to work, to do the work of the Lord. Folks, if we are going to have compassion, it's going to be shown when there are needs. If our community did not need us, why would we be meeting? If God did not need us to share His love with somebody else, why hasn't He gone ahead and shut the doors of His church? If God didn't need you, to spread the gospel. If God didn't want you to have a relationship with Him and to grow with Him, why are you here today? You're here because He loves you and He wants to show you that there is a need so that you can have compassion on them. Jesus intentionally sought out a place to rest for He and His disciples, and, but He did not retreat at the expense of those that needed Him. I want you to understand, God brought those needy people to Jesus and the disciples. And God, if you have overwhelming need in your life, God has brought it to your doorstep for a reason. He's brought it to our church for a reason. He says here that all people are like sheep to Jesus. And He is our shepherd. If there's ever a passage that shows that there are people that they need us to walk with the Lord. They need us to have compassion. There are people that cannot help themselves. Folks, they wanted, the, the people that were following Jesus, they wanted the gift of the Savior. They wanted the miracles, but they did not necessarily want the spiritual blessings. They wanted the benefits of Christ without having to follow Him. Even John 12, 37 says, even though He had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in Him. That's why people ask me all the time, why doesn't Jesus do miracles and healings like he did back in the day? Well, the thing is, is that he did it and no one believed him still. Faith is not in what we see. Faith is found in what we do not see. And we see it in verse 34, the first half of it. Jesus had compassion on their spiritual needs as well as their physical needs. Now, if you go back and look at your passage, what is the first thing... Jesus did when he started to work with that crowd? Did he feed them? Did he form a committee? Come on. We're Baptist. No. 
He didn't have a, he didn't have a committee. He didn't have a team. He didn't do anything but what? Teach them. Folks, we can give out food and clothes and shelter, and we need to do that until our resources are run dry. We need to do that. But if we are not teaching them the Bible, if we are not sharing with them the love of the Lord, if we are not giving them, by the way we live our life, a reason for them to believe in Jesus Christ, all we're doing is filling the belly. But if you live for Christ, and you share Christ, and you make it a part of your life, you will fill their souls. Amen? The crowd there, they wanted the gift, but not the giver. The second thing we see is that we must meet the needs intentionally and sacrificially. Please understand that Jesus didn't look at the, the people needing food as an interruption. This was not an interruption for him. It was an opportunity. The disciples' first instinct, what was it? Send them away. Let's get out of here. That was their first instinct. Some of you, and so, sometimes even myself, my first instinct is, hey, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's time to go home. I've got things to do. Lord, you know what kind of day I've had. You think the disciples said that? It would have been very easy for Jesus to say, come on, God, I've been doing this all day. Give me a break. He didn't do that. He looked at those people with compassion. And as we see here, they were not an interruption, but they were an opportunity. Some of the biggest blessings you will find in your life started as an interruption. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's a health issue. Something that you were going fine, everything was going well, and all of a sudden need pops up in your life. An overwhelming need. Folks, it's not an interruption. It's an opportunity. Look beyond our provisions and place our faith in Jesus' provision. What we see here is the disciples said, what do you want us to do? Take, take our money and buy them a year's worth of you know, take a year's worth of money and buy them food? Is that what you want us to do? Folks, check it out. Hang with me here just for a second. The disciples, I'm not throwing them under the bus because they were just like you and they were just like me. You see a need, then all of a sudden you, you check your bank balance or you check your closet or you check your pantry and you check all these places and you can give what you give and that's fine. But folks, there are some times when God is going to put a need before us that you are not going to be able to match. That we are not going to be able to match. And why is that? Because it is an overwhelming need. Just like this, those disciples, they didn't understand the fact that the only way this need was going to be met was going to be by Jesus. When you have overwhelming need in your life that you can't match, that you can't meet, that is where you thank the Lord for it and say, send it on, God. Send it on. Because if you could handle it in your own strength, it really wasn't that big a deal anyway, was it? Yeah, the, uh, the disciples wanted to send them away, or better yet, they said, hey, let's just have a fundraiser. Folks, there is no fun in fundraising. The disciples, 
thought the timing was off to help. But Jesus knew that the timing was perfect. The point here we see is that you and I, we limit Jesus' work in our life by seeing overwhelming need in our strength and ability rather than His. If you look at need around you and in your own life and you think of how you can meet it, you will be discouraged every time. But if you look at, the, look at need and see it as God sees it, as Jesus sees it, then yes, you see that you can't do it, but He can. How many times have people complained, if we only had enough money, we could do something. If we only had enough people, we could do this. If we only had enough good politicians, we could do this. If we only had enough... Good preachers, this could, if we only, if we only, if we only, if we only. If we only gets us nowhere. Because what we do by saying, if we only, you know what that saying does in your life, right? If we only, if I only, I should have. All of these regrets, all of these things we should have done. If we look at that, we are focusing not on what God is going to provide, but what He has already provided and we take for granted. Are you, have you lost hope in Jesus Christ in providing for the needs that you can't meet? If you have, Satan has won and you are broken. It's called a lack of faith. We meet overwhelming need with faith in Christ. Our first step is not to measure our resources, but to determine God's will and trust Him to meet the need. Overwhelming need says, what about me? But compassion says, what about him? And what about others? It's that greatest commandment thing coming back to bite us. Pharisees said, well, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, well, if I have to sum up the Ten Commandments, if I have to sum up everything that I've done, it's love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love others as yourself. That's how we meet needs too, folks. The third thing we see is that we must believe that Jesus will meet overwhelming needs. In verses 39 through 44, we see this very important fact that God will provide. Jesus, what was he doing here? He was addressing the unbelief of the disciples. This was all a lesson for the disciples. Matter of fact, they didn't understand it. Why is that? Because in just a few moments they're going to get on a boat and get into a storm and fear for their lives. Even while Jesus... Is there to help him? Unbelief. If the disciples struggle with unbelief, who are we to think that we won't as well? Jesus commands them to do the impossible task. Do you have an overwhelming impossible need in your life today? God will provide. He wants you to trust Him. This is the true miracle of this passage. It is that the Creator who made the fish and caused the grain to multiply by His Word creates food for the crowd. You see, this may be the very first time many in the crowd were ever filled. Five loaves of flatbread and two fish. Probably dried fish. Kind of like fish jerky, if they even make that. I'm sure they do. Something that was a little boy's lunch. We see in John 6, 8-9, they got the lunch from the little boy. 
And so many people have preached this passage and talked about the faith of a little boy and what he had. But folks, understand this, that no bread, no fish was multiplied unless it came through the hands of Jesus Christ Himself. He was the one who broke the bread. He was the one who divided the fish into all of the different groups that He had laid out. Folks, if we try to meet the needs of the world and meet our needs with our own hands, we will fail every time. But if we let Jesus have it in His hands, I promise you, His hands, His touch, His His love, His life will be what multiplies blessings and provision in our life. Not so that we can get fatter and full, but so that we can feed others. I guess in conclusion, the point I want to make here is that the miracle of the feeding happened by the work and the blessing of Jesus' hands, not theirs. And whatever we give to Jesus, He will bless and He will multiply. The disciples, they acted on what they had. That's all they knew. All we, all we can scrounge together, Jesus, is five loaves and two fish. You might have come here today and say, God... All I can scrounge up for you is, is this little check. Or all I can do for you is spend this little time. All I can, this is all I've got, Jesus. And he says, give it, and I will multiply it. Listen, I'm not preaching prosperity here, but I am preaching provision. I'm not saying if you give a dollar today, it'll make a thousand tomorrow. But I am telling you this. Whatever you've got, as meager and as meek as it is, if you give it to the Lord, whether it be money, whether it be your time, your talents, your gifts, your compassion, if you, re, if you truly make compassion for others a part in your life and you put it in Jesus' hands, He will multiply it. That's what He teaches us. Jesus wants to meet your needs today. He wants you to meet the needs of others today. It's easy to get overwhelmed by need in today's culture. But understand that there is no need that Jesus cannot fill. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this service today. And we thank you for your word that teaches us that, Lord, there are people that are hurting, that need not only physical food, but spiritual food as well. May we live our lives as Christians, as Examples of you that we might look at people through your eyes of compassion rather than our, our eyes of disbelief. And the Lord, maybe there's someone in here today that has been overwhelmed by need and they've never placed their trust in you as their Savior and Lord. If they want to lay it on the altar, Lord, and just say, God, come into my life. Jesus, save me from my sins. Multiply your goodness in my life. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, please come forward in just a moment. There's a friend that will come with you. Grab their hand. Or if you don't want to pray publicly, see me sometime. I will teach you and show you what it means to be saved. But there are many here today that have broken spirits and broken hearts because they feel like the overwhelming need has got the best of them. Remind them today that if it's in your hands, you're still providing. If there's someone that needs to join the church or come forward to the altar, this invitation time is for you, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?